What's going on, everyone? This is the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast, episode number 10. I have a fantastic guest on today. His name is Brian O'Hengese. He's the head nutrition coach of the Fit Clinic in Ireland. And I've been following him for quite a while on Instagram. He's always posting just generally helpful shit. He has a wealth of knowledge with over 4,000 hours of nutrition counseling. And wait until you listen to this podcast. It is, there's so many nuggets of information. So sit back, relax, and listen up. All right, people. What is the story? Today, I have a great guest. It is Brian Ohengsa. Now, I'm not going to talk too much here because I actually don't even know why I do this second intro. I like getting those tribal drums in as a little transition, so maybe that's why. And there's another reason today. Okay, so if you listen to my last podcast, I prefaced this episode with my blunder last week when it came to the audio. So when we jumped on the call just before st- recording, Brian said, here, man, there's a bit of noise coming from your end. It's static whenever you talk. I was like, hmm, all right, well, I can hear you perfect. So is there any chance we can just rock on and I can, you know, tweak the audio controls? And I was thinking eh, it must be his earphones or something. But then a couple hours later, I was listening to it back to start editing it. And I'm not lying, I could barely make out what I was saying in my questions. And not only that, anytime I say yes or, you know, say anything while Brian's talking, a huge amount of static comes up. So what I've done is re-recorded all my questions you know, I went over each of my questions and made them out. I applied a compressor and a noise gate, wrote them out, and re-recorded them in the place. Yes, I did do that. And that's why it's coming out on Friday, not on Monday. So you'll notice that I'm not as animated or nervous as I usually am when I'm on with guests, which might make for an easier listen. But I do want to hammer home the fact that this was word for word the questions I asked on Sunday evening to Brian I actually went over them and worded them the exact same but this time it's just me in the wall <laughs> so anyway Brian honestly has so much insight to the world of coaching and just he can speak to challenges that are commonly faced by clients And, you know, you might be experiencing the same things. You might be a coach listening and your clients might be experiencing the same things. And that in that, that is why this is so helpful. He is very, very good at articulating his experience too and his recommendations to the general public, which is why I actually had him on. But enough talking from me. Without further ado, Brian Ohengese. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast. Today I have another fantastic guest and his name is Brian O'Hengese. He describes himself as a people helper and his official designation is head nutrition coach at the Fit Clinic here in Ireland. So thanks so much for coming on Brian. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Looking forward to the chat. Thank you buddy. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I've been following you for a while. 
So do you want to just tell us a small bit about what your position as the head nutrition coach entails, what the Fit Clinic actually is, and just what you do on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. So the Fit Clinic is an online bespoke and consulting service. So uh, the, the bulk of what we do is working one-to-one with clients um, uh, you know, where they communicate with us on a weekly basis to reach whatever their nutrition, health, fitness, body composition goals are. Um, we do work with a lot of people who have maybe um, clinical issues they want to deal with. Um, also, you know, plenty of athletes and um, a lot of people with uh, you know, issue, uh, disordered eating behaviors, uh, poor relationship with food, that sort of thing. As for myself specifically, that's, that's a lot of what I do. Um, but we have such a, a big team that we all have different skill sets that we can actually cater for a lot of people. Um, you know, we try and put out lots of educational content, free to help people out that way. And um, yeah, in terms, in terms of my role as the head coach, um, I, do, I do coach a lot of clients. Um, and I'm responsible for a lot of, say, coaching development for the, the other coaches. So like, um, you know, tr- training manuals and things like that for, for coaching specifically. Perfect. Perfect. And I was just reading the, our team page on the Fit Clinic there this morning. And I saw that you had amassed over 4,000 hours working with clients. So you must have developed some amazing insights and tools. And were they all with the Fit Clinic specifically, or would you have worked on an individual basis before? Yeah, I, I calculated that. Yeah, based on um, you know, how, yeah, basically how many check-ins I have per week and how how long they take on average, and how long I'm working with the Fit Clinic. So I'm working with the Fit Clinic since uh, February 2017. Um, so yeah, like it's yeah, it's a massive thing. You notice it like when you've done doing a bit of coaching, like doing a few years of it, uh, how much experience actually stands to you as well. Um, and there's only one way to get that and it's to actually get in there and get experience. And you know, there's, there's courses and things and different resources you can do to help fast track that and, you know, lean on other people's experience. But yeah, you, uh, you definitely get a lot of insights into human behavior, um, and, and things like that. And yeah, it's, it's, pretty much mostly uh, fit clinic clients that I coach. Class, class. Um, I know we discussed it a small bit off air, but would you just maybe tell us a bit about what happened when COVID came in and the whole crisis and pandemic? Did the activity of your clients kind of dwindle or did they become more responsive? Did you get more clients? How was that whole kind of uh, situation with the fit clinic? Just maybe if you could just touch on that a small bit again, if possible. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I actually saw quite a large increase in, um, say, client activity. So thankfully, we weren't uh, too affected by the, by the pandemic. We didn't see too many people uh, drop off. And a lot of people did actually want you know, more help because, um, like I was saying to you, the, the biggest thing that I found for people that they were struggling with was just the lack of structure uh, in their days from going from you know, maybe a typical job to then having to work from home maybe they're trying to manage working from home while their kids are at home as well um not not getting out of the house much not having the day broken up that much it was leading to a lot more like boredom eating and snacking and things like that um well there's also positives to it because then people had 
more time to engage with the process. They have more time to engage with things like trying new recipes out, trying to improve their cooking skills. Um, you know, so something I was saying to a lot of people um, at the start of the, the lockdown, and that's, that's when it was like, you know, okay, it's going to be four weeks or whatever, or six weeks or whatever, but it just kept getting longer and longer yeah, and longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I was asking people was like, okay, imagine we're at the end of this lockdown period. What would you like to say to me that you did throughout? Okay, yeah, so you, okay. you probably don't want to say to me, you know, I just ate the, the fridge and the presses out of it yeah. every day. Um, yeah. You know, with the new time, what do you want to do? You know, it could be, could be anything like any sort of uh, skill development, re-engaging with an old hobby or getting a new hobby. Um, you know, just working on, on nutrition things, trying to trying to figure out how to stay active while not having access to a gym, if if that's usually what you did. So, um, yeah, it was an opportunity to do something different for a lot of people, and yeah, like in- increase their capacity for different skills. So, um, you know, once we got over the initial, okay, look you're going to have to actually create a schedule for yourself here. And, um, you know, I want you to write in when you're going to have your meals more or less. Um, Cause you know, I don't know how much you follow Jocko Willink or anything like that. Discipline equals freedom. Having too much freedom in your day just ends up being chaotic. Uh, if you don't know when anything is happening. So there has to be a balance stroke. And like, you know, cause I've been working online or from home since the start of 2019. So it's, uh, you know, I almost didn't realize that these were the things I did to make, make sure I'm productive and I have successful days and things like that. And it's only when I reflected on it, I was like, all right, what's different here? And it's like, oh, okay, this is actually what I do. And then I was able to impart that onto clients and um, get everyone sorted. Wow, yeah. Fucking love that. Discipline equals freedom. And yeah, absolutely love Jacko Willink and all his stuff. Cool, cool. So when I was preparing for this and choosing the topic or the theme, that we were to hone in on, I found myself thinking, geez, there's a lot of different questions that are not necessarily closely tied together. And, you know, going back to your 4,000 hours of coaching and dealing with clients on the front lines, I thought maybe we should just cover a couple of bases and address some pertinent questions uh, and areas that people might come to you with frequently. Uh, and that comes to me with frequently because obviously I'm coming up to fucking questions. But yeah, so maybe we'll just cover a couple of different um, topics and yeah, we'll just see how it goes. So the first one would be the idea of a healthy diet. Now, with the abundance of evidence-based and otherwise, and unfortunately, there's a large proportion of the latter, a healthy, balanced diet has become somewhat of an elusive term. Would you maybe just cover what, in your mind, are some pillars or tenets of, you know, a healthy, balanced diet? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you're right. There's a, a quite an abundance of evidence out there, and some of it is, is good, and some of it's not so good, and it makes things very confusing and overcomplicated for people at times. I think. So if we're going to peel back to what a, a, healthy, like a healthy eating template might look like, uh, for me, it's things like it's going to be calorie appropriate, so that, 
that may be a calorie deficit, that may be just maintenance, that may be a surplus, depending on the person. So a lot of this is going to depend on the individual. Um, but these are the things to think about. So it's going to be a calorie-appropriate diet. Um, it's going to have no micronutrient deficiencies. Um, and with that in mind, I think the more inclusive, the better. Um, so when you start knocking out different food groups, you're making things a little bit harder for yourself to to hit all your bases, I think. Um, you know, and then if, if there are any gaps in your micronutrition, which is vitamins and minerals, I should say that, um, you know, you can use supplement, supplements to fill those gaps. That's fine. Um, and then depending on the context of the person, uh, what their goals are, you can think about macronutrient ratios. Uh, but that's, I, I think, uh, like a, a minimally processed diet. And I, I don't like even using that term because a lot of healthy foods are technically processed anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I think, but I think people know what I mean when I say that. So mostly whole foods. So uh, like plenty of, uh, of protein, plenty of plant foods. Um, the two of those combined, you know, I don't, I don't sit on one side or the other saying like, oh, you need to eat loads of animal products or, you know, you need to eat none. Yeah. Um, I think the best diet in terms of health is a, one that combines high-quality animal products with lots and lots of plants. And, you know, with that, you're going to get a lot of quality protein. You're going to get plenty of fiber, which is important for health. Um, and then after that, there's, it, it very much depends on the context because you want to improve where someone is at. And then for one person, you know, so for you, healthy might be uh, eating less cake during the week. So maybe if, you're, if your diet quality is over, overall is quite poor, it might be a case for you, okay, getting some healthier food options in there. But say for me, maybe if I have a really bad relationship with food, maybe healthier for me is actually eating more cake, realizing that that's not a problem, that's not going to ruin everything for me, um, and then have a healthier relationship with food. Because, you know, it goes beyond what's just on paper in terms of uh, these are the nutrients, these are the grams of this food you should have and whatnot. You know, because, you know, set this, imagine this then, you know, which, which is better in this scenario? Um, say I eat the perfect diet, right, on paper, like the, the, just the nutrient quality is off the charts. But I sit at home and I never go out with my friends to eat because I'm micromanaging this diet. Whereas you might be there have a pretty good uh, eating pattern, um, you know, provided you're educated in, in, in what that means. But then you can also go out and have meals with your friends, not worry overly about what the composition of those are, um, knowing how they fit in. And, you know, who's going to be healthier there? Because if we're talking about health, like nutrition is only one part of that. You know, you've got your social interactions, you've got your sleep, you've got your stress management, you've got your physical activity. There's a lot of pillars of health. And then I think nutrition is just one of them. Yeah, that's a great answer. I was just thinking there earlier when I used the word healthy, I did inverted commas and we're on a fucking podcast. There's no video feed. So obviously the listeners didn't see that. But basically why I did that was in the last two to three years, I've phased the word healthy out of my nutrition related vocabulary. I mean, I still use the word for it's a multidisciplinary word, you know, as you say yourself, um, but it's become so warped 
in the world of nutrition that I just try to avoid using it uh, when, when I'm talking about food or working with clients, uh, working on their, you know, their dietary habits. And yeah, that's a great segue into, well, just actually to rewind back to what you had said at the start that, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with following different diet types as long as you know that by restricting a certain food group, you know, if we're talking about a ketogenic or a low carbohydrate or a low fat diet, if you start restricting food groups, there's going to be certain micronutrients, so some vitamins and minerals, phytonutrients that are going to be restricted because of that and possibly harder to get. Um, So as long as you know that, but just out of interest, what would your own opinion be toward when clients come to you asking about, you know, a ketogenic diet or a specific diet, we'll say, as opposed to just a restricted calorie diet? Yeah, I think I think if you teach people what the actual principles of weight loss nutrition are, like you're saying, adhering to a calorie deficit is really the main one. And then everything else after that is about managing that and making that as easy as possible. And that's where all the different methods come in and you can put all the fad diets, put any diet um, under a method to achieve that principle of satisfying a caloric deficit. Um, so, you know, for some people, it definitely works. Like for some, um, there is definitely a place for food rules uh, for certain people because it takes decision-making out of it a lot of the time. Um, so if someone has to decide, okay, am I going to eat this uh, pizza or am I not? Or am I going to, you know, cook up something healthy? You know, if that person, for example, is saying, okay, I'm on a low-carb diet, it's like, okay, well, then pizza is off the table. Um, therefore, I will just make something healthier. So, like, yeah. They, they, they have a place now. I, I will say they're in the minority in, in terms of when I'm coaching people. I don't, I don't coach many fad diets. Like I said, it's, it's about inclusivity for the most part. But I just wanted to say that like, if anyone follows that, you know, it can have its benefits. I just want people to be aware of you know, what, what's it doing to their relationship with food. However, if they, I think if they understand those principles, like, okay, this helps me sustain my calorie deficit. And it's not inherently special or magical, except that it helps me adhere then it's fine because then they're not afraid of having pizza. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's not like the, the gluten is bad or the cheese is bad. It's no, that's a calorie dense food. Um, if I have something less calorie dense, it's more likely I'm going to be on track for my calories for today and therefore the rest of the week and stack a few weeks end on end like that. And then I'm probably making progress. Um, so I think giving people that, that understanding, that education of uh, why these things actually work, and then obviously, like, obviously some of them are garbage and they're just unhealthy and should stay well clear of them. Or yeah. Yeah. Helping people understand principles and then to see every other fad diet as just a method, you know, because, you know, it's never, it's never going to be explained by the fad diet proponents that this is why it works. Um, and that, that's always missing. Uh, you know, so they, they always say, oh, don't, you know, you don't need to worry about calories. You just have to not eat any of these foods that are easy to overconsume and that are inherently calorie dense. Um, but they don't say that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think people, just giving people that, that knowledge uh, is, is very helpful in that case. Yeah, that's a great point. I never actually looked at it that way that, you know, I do try to avoid saying that any food is off limits. But there are some foods for some people that 
can really kind of put them off track and in that case maybe it's advisable for them to maybe not have them every day or avoid them for most of the week or most of the month uh just as long as they know i guess yeah that's a really good point yeah no trigger trigger foods um i'll talk to to clients a lot about trigger foods and it's like you know it's it's um it just makes life easier for yourself if you avoid those foods sometimes um depending which which phase you're in you know because like you know you probably have trigger foods i definitely have trigger foods that and like it's not that they cause problems but it's like I go get a loaf of uh, the Avoca sourdough rye bread and I cut off a slice. Like, I, I don't know if it's ever happened that I haven't gone for a second one. And, you know, that, that maybe doesn't blow my whole diet apart, but it is definitely a food that is harder to portion control. Yeah. Um, so if I, wa- if I was struggling as a result, it makes sense for just stuff that to not be in the house. And, yeah. It's, yeah. and another one on that is... Um, this idea of eating foods that you like, but foods not that not foods that you love. Um, okay. So, for example, you know, say you say you love white chocolate or something, and you may it makes it very hard to portion control for you because it's so damn tasty. Um, but then, if we get you on to eating 80 percent dark chocolate, you know, you like it. You're still eating chocolate, but it doesn't it doesn't light it up for you the way yeah. white chocolate would. Yeah. Um, that's another good way to, to consider it. Ah, that's great. I might have to steal that one by. Um, no, I'm just joking. But there is so much there that uh, that could be unpacked. Like there's so many little tidbits and nuggets of information. So that was very well put. But just in the interest of time, I suppose we'll move on. What are some common misunderstandings, maybe not myths, uh, but misunderstandings that you see frequently in people you work with? Um, yeah, just uh, when it pertains to weight loss specifically. Um, I think, yeah, the main misunderstandings are probably a lack of awareness about uh, calories and where they come up in, in foods, um, how if you have two super high calorie days at the weekend where you've been relatively, quote unquote, good during the week, that, that can actually throw things off for you but then the main one um i think is that specific foods without any context um or you know lip service paid to portions are inherently detrimental or bad or uh, not supportive of weight loss so an analogy i often use with clients to try to get this across is like you imagine patty you're stranded on a desert island um it's not a nice desert island it's, it's a pretty barren one there's not much going on there's no fish just begging to be scooped up there's not mangoes everywhere right there's there's very little for you to go on okay um but i'm able to airdrop a 24 pack of uh, coca-cola into you once a week right so you're stranded there in your desert island your only source of calories is coca-cola is that good or bad it's good yeah right because in that context that yeah that's going to keep you alive you know it's definitely not optimal but in that context where you're eating nothing else um, and have no other source of calories, you know, you're going to be, you know, relishing that, that 24 pack of Coke I sent to you once a week. Um, so that shows that, you know, the context definitely matters. Portions matter because, again, like, you know, a lot of people say think uh, cereal is bad, right? But if I, you know, if I give you one little crumb of granola, you've eaten granola, but is that? 
detrimental then in that case? No, because it's, it's less than like a calorie or anything. So it, it makes absolutely no difference. Um, so helping people to understand that uh, the portions matter. So you can, you can probably have anything you want. You just can't have as much of it as you want mm-hmm. is uh, what I'll say a lot of the time. And yeah, because, and like you, think, you can think of any sort of stereotypical diets that are supposed to be uh, supportive of weight loss. So, you know, body, bodybuilders eating chicken, broccoli, and brown, brown rice, let's say. You know, they're all very filling foods. They're all very, um, they're, they're, they're voluminous. Uh, they're high in fiber, high in protein, quite lean, low in calories. So, you know, you're going to be quite full after eating that. Um, which makes it easier to adhere to whatever your calorie targets are. That, that's definitely the main one is the not understanding the role that overall calorie intake plays um, and then how that applies to certain foods because, and like in the, how food volume matters. Um, you know, another example I use a lot, all the, like almost on a, at least a weekly basis, if not daily, is uh, when trying to explain food volume. So, I give you, um, you know, a hundred gram bar of chocolate. That's about five, six hundred calories, depending on what, what you're getting. Um, but then, if you're trying to eat uh, 500, six cal- 500, 600 calories worth of strawberries, you have to eat like two kilos of strawberries. So it's it's twenty times the amount of food by weight yeah. for the same amount of calories. So like, yeah. you know, you're not, you know, I don't know, you, you probably like fruit, but you're probably not going to be able to sit there and eat two kilos of strawberries. They have a fair crack at it, but. Yeah, but how quick could you eat a hundred gram bar of chocolate? Yeah, uh, yeah. and that's the difference. So yeah. helping people understand that as well is very important. Uh, another misunderstanding is that uh, this is all going to happen very quickly. Like once you start a diet or once you start trying to um, improve your health or lose weight, whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to be a super rapid turnaround, right? Unless unless you're taking a very aggressive approach, which I will do with people sometimes but it's only for people who are experienced and who have been able to do the kind of longer form diet and they've shown me they can do that. Um, then they're, they're probably a candidate for a, a, a very short and aggressive diet with a large deficit. And then they can return back to maintenance because you know, we'll have a plan in place for that as well. And they understand nutrition at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but for most people starting out, that's not going to be the case. And therefore it's going to take a little bit of time to see results. So you're thinking in, weeks and months you're not thinking in like one week i'm gonna have lost a bunch of weight because you know one thing you notice in um in coaching people is like there's often a lag time between when you make changes versus when you actually see change so often it can take you know one to two weeks say if we're tracking scale weight so you know you make some you, you start a dietary intervention tomorrow um and five days later you say brian you know i'm not any lighter what's the crack of that you suck you're a terrible nutritionist. Um, but it can take one to two weeks before you actually see that. So when you actually see results, that can be from what you did two weeks ago. And that's why patience and consistency and thinking about this over the medium to long term is so important. Couldn't agree more, man. Couldn't agree more. Excellent. Yeah, a lot of people that come to me, well, some people that come to me want to start aggressively and just go right into it, have adopt a very restrictive caloric deficit they want very immediate progress to motivate them and push them on. What I say to these people is, and you might agree, you might not, 
the more aggressive generally the we'll say energy deficit or even just the practices generally the more aggressive they are the shorter or the less long term you'll be able to maintain them and obviously that comes with the exception of the people you mentioned there you know people that are very used to it and they know the process they have some nutritional knowledge already they know what they're going to have to do uh, but yeah for the most part that's kind of what I counter with when people want to adopt a very aggressive diet all right so what are some of the first steps that you would advise or recommend to a client that has the goal of losing weight and um, for just getting started there's so many people now looking to just get started after this big lockdown and what are some of your first steps sure so i'll give you some specifics in a second but first i want to mention some sort of mindset or attitudes towards the process first of all which which will which i talk about very early on right so one of the main things is to actually start where you're at currently okay not trying to overhaul everything um so i'll give you an example that i had uh, during the week this week uh, a girl started or signed up um and we were looking at first of all you know our overall dietary intake grant um you know she was skipping breakfast and then having lunch as her first meal and lunch was like a, a fairly typical lunch like sandwich chocolate bar um and like a packet of crisps or something like that okay so you know there's a lot that can be done to that you know and that doesn't need to be so if that's what she's having on day one on day two that doesn't need to be like a salmon and kale salad right that's that's too big of a jump uh, for mm -hmm. someone to take i think um because there's so many things we can look at it's like okay what's what's quote unquote wrong with that meal okay it's low in protein it's low in fiber it's low in, uh, in nutrient dense foods because there's no real plants there so what things did we talk about we said okay uh potentially you could switch to a whole grain or a brown bread instead of white bread um you could be sure that the, the meats that you're putting in your sandwiches are high in protein and reasonably low in fat so you can be thinking like lean ham turkey lean beef rather than things like salamis and stuff like that um you know maybe she can take she was having like a couple of chocolate bars so maybe she can swap one chocolate bar for one or two pieces of fruit right i want the, i want her eating more plants uh you know they're high volume like we just talked about with the strawberries um they're going to provide uh, vitamins and minerals that she's going to be lacking in um maybe she even replaces one of the uh, chocolate bars with like a fulfill bar or protein bar you know that it, still chocolatey but it also supports the goal of having that meal be higher in protein than it is right now because it's quite low in protein um i suggest that she, maybe she could uh, hard boil a couple of eggs have that with her existing lunch and bring a pot of a high protein yogurt like a skier or a, a quark or something like that uh, there's plenty of those um and all of, and then maybe instead of crisps you have one of those kind of lower calorie popcorns but all of a sudden you have a meal that's not a million miles away from what she's already eating but it's substantially better and i kind of i gave all those as options i didn't say you have to do all of these tomorrow but these are the kind of things i'd like to look at in this meal because her dinner was like standard meat and two veg so it's like we don't need to look at that yet um let's get the low-hanging fruit arranged first and so you know that's that's the kind of suggestions we make so like i said it's not too dissimilar 
from what she was already doing, but it's definitely a lot better. And then we just we try and improve that over the weeks uh, and see how we get on. And, you know, it, it, it'll only help. It can't help but improve her situation, uh, improve her weight loss targets and things like that. So that's the first thing, right? Start where you're at. Um, an analogy for that might be that, you know, in your first driving lesson that you ever did, you were not going down the motorway. Um, there was a lot of steps that you took uh, before you got that proficient in the car. Like, you didn't know where the gear stick was for a while. Um, so, you, you know, you can't expect the, the same thing, or you can't expect to just fast track learning about your nutrition and improving behaviors. Another good analogy for that is, you know, for people who go to the gym, it's like, you know, if you're starting a 60 kilo back squat, like you're not doing 100 kilos the next day. Um, and then before I actually give some specifics of this, uh, letting good enough be good enough is so important, right? Because uh, like you already said, people think they have to get this perfect. It's like, this is what a diet means. It means that I have absolutely, like I don't, I don't have a sniff of a chocolate bar for however long. Um, but once you understand the principles of what boxes you need to tick to achieve your goals, then good enough is, is typically good enough. And to accept that, because one of the biggest issues I see with people um, and where they trip themselves up is they set the bar so high that they can't clear it. And if you're failing over and over and over and over again, it's not exactly good for motivation. You're probably going to give up. Whereas if you just lower that bar, and I always find it kind of interesting because like these are self-imposed. Like I don't, I don't set this bar for them. People have this idea already that, you know, if, if you were 99% on point this week, like I, I genuinely have people when they start that that's not good enough. And it's like, okay, well it wasn't a hundred. So it's a failure. And you yeah. can see how, how unnecessary that is and how detrimental for, for progress that is going to be. So letting good enough be good enough is, uh, is absolutely critical and not needing perfection because it's, it's not black or white what we do here. And then in terms of actual like, tangible things that we talk about in terms of improving someone's diet, uh, it's usually increasing protein intake, right? The standard diet is not very high in protein. Uh, increasing plant intake through fruits and vegetables. Um, using the foods that uh, the person will eat and likes. Um, so that example with that, with that girl during the week with the, the lunch, you know, she's quite a picky eater. Um, a lot of things she doesn't want to eat. And it's like, all right, well, fine. If you, if you tell me you can eat broccoli and carrots and peas, you know, that's, that's vegetables. So, yeah, let's get them in there. Um, you know, obviously food variety is an important part of nutrition, definitely. Um, but, again, that's starting with where she's at, uh, and that's what you need to do. Um, getting awareness of portions, um, be that through actually tracking food uh, for, for a while and actually getting that education. Or if it's like kind of the precision nutrition type, the hand portion control guidelines. And then also we, we look a lot at uh, how people actually eat. So, you know, are they eating slowly, uh, mindfully? Are they actually paying attention to their hunger and fullness? Like it depends on the person. Like I said, if the, you start where they are. Um, it depends on their goals. So like a lot of the clients that I work with, you know, aren't suitable for tracking because they have disordered eating behaviors. So you know, depending what those look like, um, it can be better not to track. In some cases, it can be better to track. So it just depends. But those are the things that uh, we would look at. 
Ah, okay. And if someone was to come to you and they actually enjoy tracking, it helped them, uh, they like doing it consistently, would that be something you advise like over the long term? And do you get a lot of clients that enjoy tracking or is it a minority? Yeah, uh, I'd say the majority of people, maybe just a slight majority, it's, it's probably close to 50-50, but um, yeah, I'd say a slight majority do track their food. Uh, long term, um, but we do eventually try to move people away from it um, if they want to. Like that, that's the other thing. Like I'll have this conversation with people, and sometimes they're just like, you know, I thought it doesn't bother me. I don't find it tedious. Um, I kind of enjoy it, and it, it depends on what their uh, the personality is like, really. And you know, I can tell that it's not like afraid to move away from it. And yeah. um, when we have this yeah. conversation, it's just that. Just to some people, yeah, just prefer to keep doing it. Um, so it suits certain people. And then other people are like, yeah, do you know what? I'd like to be able to, to move away from this. Uh, that would be good. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, even, even if someone only tracks for maybe a couple of weeks just to get a bit of knowledge about portions and, you know, how much is that three bottles of wine at the weekend actually contributing? Um, it, can be, it can be eye-opening for people. So it is sure. useful. A useful exercise, even if even if some people uh, aren't well suited to it, even just for a week or two, um, mm. it can definitely be. It's just a, it's just a tool. Um, it happens to be quite useful, I think. Great, yeah. I just think what you're saying there about not making it too restrictive. What you said there earlier. I am a big advocate of momentum. I think it's absolutely massive, and I think it's one of the key ingredients. It's just personal opinion that, uh, and it's experience with working with people. If you can create momentum, uh, it'll, it'll enhance adherence. So by not being so restrictive and by ensuring that you're enjoying whatever diet or whatever setup you implement, if you're enjoying it, that's going to create momentum. So if you can wake up Monday, having had a few drinks, having had a few snacks on Sunday, and not feel like you've fallen off the wagon on Monday. You feel like you're still on the wagon. You know what I mean? Like your, your momentum is carrying. And for a lot of people, um, I think that that can help keep them going and keep them adhering to their diet or to their balanced nutritional habits um, or patterns. So yeah, this is a big one for me. Now, there's no question there again, sorry. But you mentioned that with the Fit Clinic, you guys work with athletes. And so what are some of the obstacles, main obstacles that you generally see that might be just independent to athletes? And that can be recreational or elite, just uh, some of the common obstacles, nutritionally speaking, of course. I think sometimes, I think sometimes they forget that they're human as well as, as everyone else and that they're subject to a lot of the same things that you or I are. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if we're talking like high level athletes or just just people who like to train a lot. You know, you're yeah, pretty active in sport. Yeah. Um, like some some athletes are kind of probably what we stereotypically think of. It's like you know, if I tell you to jump, you say how high. Like that sort of athlete. It's just they do what they're told and. But I think that's a probably a minority of people, and I think treating them like 
an actual person, um, that they're, they're a person first and an athlete second uh, is important. And then in, in sort of specific things, um, the importance of sleep, definitely. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, if I, you know, if I list all the benefits of sleep for, for health and performance, and I tell you that's in a pill and you're like, you'd be, you'd be climbing all over me with your wads full of cash. Say, so give me that fella. I want it. What is it? And it's like, all right, yeah, the, the catch is, it just means you have to actually go to fucking bed. Um, so I, I think like working on sleep hygiene, yeah, is, is, is a big one we do with, with athletes in particular. Cause like, you know, a lot of the time they'll know obviously the importance of their training. Some, a lot of them will know the importance of nutrition. Some of their, their diets are pretty poor starting out, but like, again, they are just, they are people um, and they can probably get away with it more. They're training an awful lot. Uh, but then sleep is the one that I think gets uh, left behind. And, and then we actually do get people sleeping properly. We do clean up their sleep hygiene and uh, they're getting sufficient quantity of sleep, sufficient quality, uh, consistency with sleep time and, and wake time is pretty good. Like they notice the difference and they're like, Jesus, yeah, that was, that was some good shit, man. Uh, I like that time in bed. Um, and then just under that kind of umbrella of them being people, like they're, you know, they can have the same sort of you know, peer pressures, um, trying to manage going out to eat or alcohol, um, especially if they're weight class athletes. We work with a lot of weight class athletes, so um, like Olympic weightlifting, uh, powerlifting and things like that. Uh, a lot of CrossFit athletes, so that's, that's not weight class. But um, yeah, it's, uh, and then, you know, depending on their knowledge base, um, they may not have a good uh, base of like the importance of nutrient timing. Once their uh, once their nutrition basics and you know calorie intake, protein intake are, are all on point, um, yeah, those would be some of the main ones. So they're not too dissimilar from uh, quote unquote normal people either. Where would you find that you get a lot of athletes coming to you wanting that quick fix or sensational supplement? I mean, instead of, you know, looking at the basics first, they're probably tired of the basics. That's just something I kind of found in my experience that not with all athletes, just first they want to ask you what supplement is best. You know, majoring in the minors, we like to call it. Well, my friend likes to call it and I've used that ever since. But uh, do you ever find that with, uh, with your athletes that come to you, they want the extra special step rather than just the pillars, the basics? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um... Yeah, because, you know, athletes, uh, especially at elite level, you know, they are looking for that extra 3%. Um, but a lot of the time, yeah, they haven't got those very basic boxes, ticks that are going to give them the most return. And um, even just things like managing, managing stress properly. Mm. Uh, you know, if, it, if it's their job, you know, that might not be too much of an issue. But if they work a job as well and, you know, trying to maintain relationships, just how that impacts recovery is uh, super important and um yeah like you know people not bringing water bottles to their training sessions and things like you know you have to get those those basic things ticked off um and then you can start you know it's it's i kind of yeah i'll say to people once they're at a a level that i think is appropriate and it's like okay we're going to look at some very specific things here that uh are going to support your nutrition and your health and your recovery and your performance, um, be it through supplementation or specific foods or whatever it might be. Um, but you know, you have to, yeah, you have to make sure your, your foundation is good 
uh, before you start building something fancy on top of it. Yeah, that's great. As I said, my friend likes to say, uh, majoring in the minors. I use that ever since I stole it off him. <laughs> so like cutting the grass when your house is on fire. No, it's, it's, you know, it's not the priority. Yeah, I love that one. That's a bit more resounding. Um, okay, so I think that's pretty much it. Hopefully we got it under 40 minutes. I thought, I thought it, was, uh, it was perfect in length because I'm having a few people drop off at the end of my podcast. Uh, so the fact that we got this in under an hour anyway is a, is a big plus. And I think it's just very interesting topic that we covered. Well, the fact that we didn't cover a specific topic, we kind of hit a few bases. But that is it. Would you just tell us uh, where we can find you? And of course, mention the Fit Clinic and your own Instagram channels and just any projects you have going on or anything like that. Yeah, hundred percent. So you can you can find me at my own personal Instagram, which is at Brian O'Hangisa. Um, I'm sure you'll see the podcast name for how to spell that. But I'll have it all linked in the podcast notes. So for those that are less linguistically inclined. Yeah. Um. So Brian O'Hangisa on Instagram. Um. You got the Fit Clinic on Instagram as well. Uh, that's where we direct a lot of the content. Um thefitclinicnutrition.com if you would like to see more about the services that we offer if you would like to work with any of us uh, we have a fantastic team of coaches um, all different skill sets and you can go on there you can, you can get a free consultation call actually um, before you sign up just to see if you know it'd be right fit for you that's thefitclinicnutrition.com and um, yeah that, they're probably the best places to, to find myself and uh, more nutrition coaching related content great content that they have up there on that uh, site and the instagram brian thank you so much that is all for me thanks for coming on on your sunday evening it's sunday afternoon over in the states but thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this and thanks again yeah it was great chat glad to be here and uh, thanks for having me what did you think good huh i just think there's so many quality nuggets of information there anyway moving on i just want to quickly mention the weight loss challenge now i realize i've re or i've branded that wrong i call it the weight loss challenge all i wanted to do was get the message out there that it's going to be a sustainable weight loss program where you'll get six weeks of individualized coaching as a group You won't have to interact with the group. You basically receive all the benefits of one-to-one coaching. It's just I'm providing the program to a group. It's just an initiative to start my coaching off. If you're interested in it, please go to my website, www.ubuntunutrition.com forward slash weight loss challenge, and you can find out all about it. Next week, my guest is Alan Aragon. So make sure you tune in for that. It's going to be out on Wednesday and it's a banger like this one. And finally, please, 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 please leave me a review or just simply a rating. Subscribe if you haven't already and share to whoever you think could benefit from this. It really helps my credibility when I'm recruiting guests. And there's a few already who are considering it. So a few reviews would help me. And just tell a friend just trying to get this out there so I can help more people. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic day.